Hello, funsies, or fundies. I don't remember what we called you guys, fundos. Anyways, welcome back to Master Fun Podcast. This is Lara. I'm flying solo today, um, but I wanted to give a quick update about some things that have been going on for us. Um, we've done a series before on unpopular adoption perspectives, and in that series, I talked a little bit about ethical story sharing and how I really struggle to talk openly about my kids' adoptions because I really feel like the narrative surrounding adoption and especially transracial adoption, it's really driven by white evangelical adoptive mothers. And I've really wanted to decenter my kind of view on everything um, in favor of listening to adoptee voices, including my own children who were adopted. So what's hard about that is um, they're young, and so I've wanted to be careful about speaking for them or speaking about them in a way that feels exploitative or um, private or, I don't know, unethical. And so we really tried to let them drive their own stories and giving them a lot of space and empowering them to feel whatever they feel and talk about their adoption really candidly. Um, If you haven't listened to that series, I recommend that you go back and listen, especially if you're either considering adoption um, or if you're considering placing a child for adoption or if you just have adopted people in your life that you love and you want to understand things a little bit more. uh, I think it's a really great way to think through some of the nuances and the pain and the grief and the tragedy and even some of the beauty that is adoption. But today, um, with Harper's permission, my son Harper is 13, um, and uh, with his permission, I'm going to share a little bit of a family update. Um, And then what I'm hoping is that in subsequent episodes, he will join Jonathan and I and we will be able to ask him some questions and he can sort of drive um, that himself and kind of share his adoptee perspective. Now that he's getting older, he's almost 14, and he has been doing some um, like panel discussion type of things with um, Angela Tucker, who is a very prominent uh, leading thought, th- thought leader and like leading voice in the transracial adoptee community. Um, She has, you can find her at The Adopted Life. You can find her uh, podcast, The Adoptee Next Door. Uh, She's a subject of her uh, husband is a filmmaker. She's a subject of his documentary called Closure. Um, He's like an Emmy Award winning documentarian. So definitely worth checking out Brian Tucker and Angela Tucker um, or Angie Adoptee um, on Instagram. Anyway. He's been working with her doing some like one-on-one mentoring and some youth like adoptee lounges where just adoptees get together and talk about whatever. Sometimes they just talk about their interests and hobbies that are unrelated to their adoptions. And sometimes they talk very candidly about things that they um, feel or experience, how they view the world. And they are able to talk about that in a way that is unique when they're just with adoptees because 
a lot of times adoptive parents don't understand. I know I don't always understand. Um, sometimes he will say things and I'm like, oh, dang, that stings. <laughs> like, it's hard not to take that personally. Uh, but we have to remember that uh, their experience is very unique and it's not something that we can understand or relate to all the time. And, um, or sometimes not at all. And so um, we've been really having him sort of drive his own story and trying to uh, give him these spaces where he's just with other adoptees so that he can be really candid and nobody's um, sensitive to it, nobody's taking things the wrong way, uh, no one's personalizing it, and no one's centering themselves. It gives the adoptee an opportunity to be at the center of that. And so that's what I'm hoping will come in the next couple of episodes. We'll, we'll uh, have a youth adoptee perspective. And I've been hesitant about doing that, but now that he's doing that with and for Angela, um, I think he has a little bit more experience of what it means to like kind of capture his own story and his own words. And so I thought it would be cool for him to do that here. Um, now, the big update is, uh, so Jay, my youngest son, we have a completely open adoption. Basically, um, that means that his birth parents are involved in his life. They come to visit us, we go to visit them. And I'm very close in particular with his mom. We are, I consider her like a sister or a niece or like another daughter. And um, we are really close and just really have this affection for one another. And it's been really, really awesome and powerful. Um, but it's also been extremely painful for Harper because he does not have an open adoption. Uh, we received one letter from his birth mom when he was three months old and then we haven't heard from her since. Now during the early years I sent pictures and updates, I sent flowers on Mother's Day and little gifts and things that I, I was hoping that would make their way to her and we found out that the agency had said that she was not receiving those updates, that she had moved and that she wasn't getting any of the pictures or updates. That was really painful and a difficult chapter that closed. Uh, we had hoped that um, openness would be something that would come with time. And unfortunately, the adoption has remained closed for the last 13 years. Until, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago at this point, we um, got in touch with his birth mom. Um, it's kind of a long story, so I won't get into all the details of how we um, came into contact with her, but we now have an open adoption. So two open adoptions now is pretty wild. So I wanted to share that because we've always come from this perspective of having one open adoption and one closed adoption. And our open adoption experience with Jay and his first family has been really positive and sort of idyllic. And sometimes that can lead people to think that they might have that same experience. And I don't know, I like filling in the picture with other experiences because it's certainly not a honeymoon and it's not all paradise for sure. Um, but we have, yeah, this big development that is definitely nuanced and messy, just like anything with adoption. But we are now in contact with Harper's first family. We've found some... Well, so far we've found one sibling and who is we knew about, um, and she is so cute, and she looks so much like Harper. 
Um, Harper looks exactly like his first mom. Uh, it's insane. Um, like when we saw a picture, we showed Harper and he was like, well, there's no denying that she, she is my mom. Uh, so it's pretty cool because they're the question mark for the adoptee has, is just looming over, um, their heads. This is something that he has struggled with and grappled with his whole life is this anger, um, the sense of rejection and abandonment. And I'm only sharing those personal feelings because he, A, has given me permission to, and B, he's going to come on and kind of unpack those things himself. So just setting the stage a little bit for where he's at and what he's going through. But he, um, we've been in touch with her. We've done lots of video messages and video chats and uh, messaging back and forth. And we're hoping for a visit um, sometime this summer. So it's been pretty insane because for those of you who know us and know Harper, um, this sense of rejection and um, abandonment has been a real driving element in his life. It's something he, it's like the undercurrent behind everything where a bad grade or um, a criticism or even a joke it, it really just bumps up against this splinter that is always there in him, this splinter of maybe I was the problem, maybe I wasn't good enough, maybe something was wrong with me, and this is why I was like rejected and abandoned. Now, I'm, I don't view what happened to him uh, being adopted as her rejecting or abandoning him, but that is how he has internalized it. And every adoptee is different. Some kids are really understanding some kids feel sad but not angry. Some kids only feel angry. Um, some kids feel hurt and abandoned. Some kids feel really like relieved and grateful that they aren't in the situation that they were born into. I think it's all different, and I also think it shifts over time. Um, I think kids kind of process as they get older, and they start to reveal uh, new, new parts of themselves are revealed, and they start to grapple with different things, maybe parenthood. Once they become parents is when they start to process, oh, this is what it felt like for my first mom. And if she felt this amount of love, how could she have made this decision? So it's like different seasons and phases of your life bring out different kind of uh, feelings, I guess, and um, just different discoveries. So we are in a new season of discovery uh, where he is feeling both elated and relieved and also really afraid that this is going to uh, lead to new feelings of hurt or disappointment or rejection. So we're in the new early phase of this relationship and it's a lot. There's a lot to it. Um, she, I won't tell, share any of her story because that's hers to share. Um, but we do know, uh, we, we are in contact with his older sister uh, when Harper was born, he had a 15-month-old sister, uh, and she is doing well and is living with um, her great aunt, and so we've been in contact with them, and that's been really special to just see some of their similar interests and some of their, like, just looking so similar to each other. Um, that's been really, I think, healing in a way, and, you know, one thing that we don't often think about is when an adoptive couple or um, 
yeah, an adaptive couple or a hopeful adaptive couple announces that they're waiting to adapt, it's like the comments are so cheery and positive. They're like, oh, we're so happy for you. Congratulations. Can't wait to meet your little one and all that stuff. And it's purely positive and supportive. And that's so great. However, on the other side of that same story is this grief and this loss. And when we celebrate a baby coming into an adaptive family, we are also celebrating the fact that a a child came out of a different family and left a different family, was removed from a different family. And we're celebrating really what is the most tragic experience for that baby or that young child in that in, in their first family, their family of origin. So it's super complex. And when we're on just the adaptive side of it, we kind of don't always focus on that part. But just recently, I was able to sit down um, with Jay's first mom. Her name is Naima, um, or Jay calls her my Nima. And so if someone else calls her my Nima, he goes, no, she's my Nima. <laughs> it's so cute. But she and I were able to sit down for a 40-minute conversation with um, the organization StoryCorps. If you're f- not familiar, I would recommend just doing a quick Google search, go to their website. They feature all of these interesting stories. Um, it might be a parent and a child. It might be two, um, I don't know, partners. It might be siblings. It could be someone and their ex. I mean, it's really interesting dynamic stories. And it really is just a conversation between two people that they don't, that they haven't had before. Something that goes a little bit deeper than they would normally um, cover. And the like one example is I saw an adopted child, an adult adoptee, ask their mother for the like for the first time, why did you adopt me? And it led to these really powerful, dynamic, painful, and really healing conversations. So, someone recommended me um, for the StoryCorps uh, this virtual slot, and I applied and asked Naima if she wanted to do it with me. And she and I had a 40-minute conversation about all the things that as many hours as we have logged talking to each other and being in each other's lives, it gave us an opportunity to really go deep. And while we've talked about a lot of heavy things, we don't always um, go real, like we don't always talk deeply about those early days of Jay's adoption because I don't want to bring up something so painful for her and I just wanted to be respectful. And so when she said nothing was off limits and we could go as deep as we wanted and that she was looking forward to that, we really, we really did. And it was a really powerful conversation. We talked about things that we'd never discussed before, but also things that she, she didn't remember a lot of these early memories that I have. And part of that is probably the trauma of being separated from your child and it was really hard to hear that she couldn't remember some of these things, that she'd kind of blocked a lot of things out. She was under so much stress at the time. So it was really hard to hear that and talk, you know, I felt like guilty and complicit um, in her trauma. And, but we also were able to really talk through like some of her whys and some of the things that were really sweet memories for her and 
really sweet but painful memories for me. Um, one in particular was the moment Jay was being transferred from one hospital to the next. He had to go into the PICU, the pediatric intensive care unit, because he was showing signs of meningitis. He was born healthy, but these um, you know, s- symptoms he was having, they assumed it was meningitis. They couldn't get a good spinal tap. It was, to be honest, not the best hospital. And so they took several failed attempts at um, a spinal tap um, or a lumbar puncture. And without a good sample, they just determined it was probably meningitis and they acted quickly and very, um, I guess, in an ex- for, it felt pretty extremely because they basically blasted him for two weeks with very high doses of antibiotics, which caused some damage to the brain. It, it caused permanent hearing loss and it caused some other things like he was perfectly healthy and then suddenly his eyes were crossed and his muscle tone was very rigid and he was all curled in on himself and he stopped responding to sound altogether and so it was really sad and scary and those were some of the early days with Jay and I won't get go more into that but there was a moment where he was being transferred from one hospital to the other who had more specialized care that at that point he would need. And the, which me and Naima and the EMT took the elevator downstairs to the garage where Jay's incubator was loaded into the ambulance. And the EMT turned around and she looked at us both and she said, all right, there's room for one parent. Like it's time. Like she kind of looked at us like, Who, who's coming? Who's, who's, who's mom? You know, and Naima and I looked at each other and I was like, you can go, like, it's, it's okay. Like, if you want to go, go. And, um, and she looked at me and she's, she was like, all right, you're up, mama. And we both just burst into tears. And so did the EMT. <laughs> there was just this moment of this passing of the baton where she was like, okay, it's your turn. And I really wanted her to go. I really, I felt like she, I knew she could do it. I knew she'd be an amazing mom, which she is. She is now, has um, three little kids. And Jay has these half siblings that he adores and they adore him. And he's like the older cool brother, which is cool because in our family, he's the youngest little twerp of the family. So it's good for him to be um, looked up to and uh, admired by his younger siblings. But in that moment, we had this like painful exchange that she doesn't even remember because I think she sort of blocked it all out. But it was this beautiful time where we could share these feelings and these stories. And um, it's going to be published on StoryCorps. And uh, similarly, we've had some of these moments with Harper's first mom where we've been able to hear from her what her life was like before him and then what her life has been like since. And I won't share those things because those are private. And the only reason I'm sharing this private moment that Naima and I had is because we just shared it very publicly on StoryCorps, which is gonna be in like, published in like the Library of Congress and it's gonna be in the Smithsonian and this black history kind of thing. So it's pretty cool, that'll be very public and so that's why I'm sharing this story now. But. When um, in the next few episodes, we'll be talking to Harper about 
the adoptee experience. And it's really just going to be his experience because he's so young um, and he's so, uh, you know, his, his experience is unique to him. But he's been very recently back in touch with his birth mom and it's brought out a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions and a lot of behaviors and a lot of processing. And But it's been really interesting because we've only had this one experience with open adoption and so we thought this might be a good opportunity to fill in a little bit of those other perspectives and and center the adoptee voice and in our life that is our kids so that is going to be what is coming up in the next couple of episodes you'll be hearing from my 13 year old son harper and um we will get his perspective and have him share what, to whatever degree he feels comfortable, a little bit about this new chapter in his life. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. I hope that you stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. I know that we kind of keep popping back and forth between racism and adoption and grief and shenanigans, but really those things kind of have been pretty shaping things in my life. Grief trauma, adoption, and anti-racism work. So that's what you're going to get in shenanigans. So thanks for listening. I hope that you guys tune in for the next couple of episodes. I do think that it's going to help us all think about things that we haven't thought about before. Not just adoption, but what life is like through the lens of a child and... um, how are people how are adoptees impacted by some of like the everyday things that we don't think about just little things like i know i shared a story once where people you know i'm much taller than my sisters i'm like four inches taller than both of my sisters and will often say that i'm the tallest in my family but in the back of my mind i know that my brother adam who was killed um, was taller than I was. And so there's a part of me that that always has that grief and that loss in the back in the background. And similarly for an adoptee, those kind of questions, like oh, uh, like um maybe about um somebody might maybe make a comment that all the girls have my legs. <laughs> they all have my golf tee shaped legs. Um, and when someone makes a comment like that, in front of Harper, in the back of his mind, he's asking the question, I wonder what, who I look like. I wonder where my legs came from. I wonder if I look like them. Um, I wonder if this is why I have asthma. I wonder if they're good at sports. I wonder if they like sports. And he, oh, everything is framed in this question of who am I? Where did I come from? Where are they now? Do they love me? Do they think about me? And I just give a little sneak peek into our experience with our first conversation with Harper's first mom. One of the first things she said to him was, Mommy loves you. I'm sorry I give you to another family. I hope you can understand. I think of you all the time. And for a kid who has wondered his whole life if he was thought about or if he was just discarded, it really was this healing first conversation where the first things we knew about her is she looks exactly like him. He now knows who he looks like and where he came from. And he knows that she has thought of him and that she um, has complicated feelings around her choice to place him with us. Um, 
understandably and legitimately and fairly, she uh, wanted him to know that she wishes she didn't have to make this plan, this adoption plan for him, that she wishes she could have kept him with her. And so that's really powerful and healing. And I think um, it'll help us all to think more compassionately about parents who, who make the adoption plan for their child and also um, be more careful about how we talk about things because we don't know who around us has been adopted or ex has been a foster youth, a former foster youth. So it's kind of cool to listen and hear from other perspectives, especially um, through the lens of a child. So tune in and we will see you or we'll, you will hear us next week with an extra little voice. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Shouldn't have said talk to you later. I'm hanging up like it's a phone call. Oh, boy. I really need a co-host, guys. <laughs> oh, do you miss Jonathan? I do. All right, Fonzos. We'll see you later. Dear you later. Bye.